0: or shorts or blazer come dressed as you are at webmasterradio.fm cover story cover a story or attain that coveted story Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Stories. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome to this edition of Cover Story, hosted by myself, Brandy Shapiro Babin, airing on the Webmaster Radio.fm network. And I have no hosts with me today. Usually I'm joined uh, with the effervescent Mick Jolly and David McGinnis of PR Web, but they unfortunately um, were not able to join us today. So it's just me. Me and my fabulous guests, aren't you guys lucky? So you have to be out there, give us a little extra support today because I'm pulling it all on my own. I feel like a Vita now. I want to stand from my veranda, my people, Los Descamisados. Okay, I'm over myself now. You know, so without further ado, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. I'm very excited to have him here. His name is Peter Naska. Very simple to remember. He's of Peter Naska Associates out of Miami and Chicago. He has an excellent reputation, uh, really done some wonderful things in regard to working with heritage brands from a public relations standpoint, um, including American Express, Continental Airlines, Ryder, Centauri Video. He started off uh, as a journalist for NBC, both in radio and in TV, won some awards for excellence. And uh, is also on the board uh, as a member of PRSA, and um, for those of you who don't know, PRSA, Public Relations Society of America. And he was a past president of the Miami Chapter. Now that I've told his whole life story, welcome, Peter Naska.
2: Good to be here. (laughs) How are you? Good to be anywhere, I guess,
1: right? Yeah! Well, you (laughs) know...
2: Sorry that you're all alone and you have to (laughs) suffer with me like this, but... uh...
1: I know, me too. They must have heard about you, and they just ran. No,
2: I <laughs> forgot the, the time zone last
1: week. <laughs> that was so great. You know what? We've never had that happen, and it's such an easy thing to have happen. So I'm glad you were so nice. It was going to happen with someone. I'm sorry that happened, but it happened with you. That's you know, it's,
2: it's crazy because I've only been living in the central time zone for a couple of years, and I'm, I'm so accustomed to the eastern you know, time zone that I just got all, you know, I try to put things in perspective, but you get, it, gets, it gets confusing.
1: It does get confusing, especially like we have a lot of clients for example over in Europe and then people start talking to me in GMT.
2: Exactly. And then that's where I really totally get lost. And I've done some work in the Philippines and you know it's like 11 hours from here and 12 hours from the East Coast, so it's very confusing.
1: Well, especially when you start running out of digits to start. Yeah. <laughs> to start. Like complex math I can do, simple math it's a little overwhelming. Um, so let me ask you a very uh, let's actually let's go back to the beginning and start to talk sure. about you know, sort of a little bit about who you are and sort of your inspiration to get you involved in public relations.
2: Well, it's kind of a really long story, and I'll try to make it short as possible. Uh, I started, uh, my degree is in political science, and I really wanted to become, well, I should say, I thought I wanted to become an attorney at one point in time in my life. Boo. And And, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> and around my
2: senior year of college, I said, geez, am I really doing this to please my parents, or, you know, do I really want to be an attorney? So I really wanted to be in broadcasting. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And the only uh, journalistic uh, talents I had were I worked for the circulation department of our school
1: newspaper. <laughs> That's great.
2: So, uh, you know, I decided not to go to law school, and I decided I guess I needed a job. And just uh, in 1970, I'm showing you all how old I am. I, I got a job on Wall Street and eventually got a Series Seven license, which eventually yeah. I'll tell you, you know, sort of worked out to my favor. But I, you know, I, I hated that also. I wanted to be in broadcasting.
1: I mean, talk about you know, numbers. <laughs>
2: exactly. And then again, I, you know, uh, I had, you know, again, no possible, uh, um, you know, experience in broadcasting. So I said, ah, you know what, I'll do. I'll, I'll see if I can get a job in a radio station or a TV station selling time. Which I did. I got a job in a radio station in Long Island, where I was originally from New York, and uh, selling time. But of course, I didn't want to sell time. I wanted to be a broadcaster. <laughs> but, you know, again, qualifications-wise, a very fortuitous thing happened. I became friendly with the news director, far more friendly than my sales manager, you know, because I really wasn't interested in selling.
1: You were interested in broadcasting. Exactly. Ah, smart man.
2: So, um, you know, we became friendly, and March 8th, 1971, uh, and that was the uh, when uh, Muhammad Ali fought uh, Joe Frazier for the unification of the heavyweight championship
1: Yeah, fight. you know, we had the same birthday. Uh, pardon me? Muhammad Ali and I.
2: Do you really? No, we really I, I interviewed him twice, by the way, when I was a broadcaster, and he just, just an amazing human being.
1: He really is. Yeah. Actually, so, my mother trained him. Really? A little aside. Yep. She oh, was one of his trainers. Terrific.
2: So. Uh, just an amazing guy. I've been to his camp in Deer Lake and what happened.
1: Yes. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, uh,
2: we're... Um, so, where am I? Oh, so I, the fight comes up, and they, they send a sports guy. I happen to be going to the fight in New York, and you know, I said to the news director, you know, can I file a report on the, on the fight? And he goes, yeah, okay, sure, you know. Well, anyway, my, I did, my report was better than the one that the sports guy did. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, sports guy wasn't too pleased about that, but they used mine, everybody thought it was great, so, you know, I'm feeling real good about myself. And a couple of weeks passed, and a news director had told me about this job as a night news editor at an old you know a daytime radio station. I don't even know if they have daytime radio stations any longer. AM stations, you know, they shut right, down at right. night because of signals and and I'm trying to make this as long, you know, as short as possible. I got the job. The guy that owned the station was a former NBC uh business reporter, and a guy named William Littower and I think Bill is still in New York with uh, with WPIX or some network. Phenomenal guy, took me under his wing, taught me the business got a job in television uh, with an NBC affiliate um, did that for 4 years and then decided there wasn't much future for balding anchor people mm-hmm. and uh got that out of my system did a lot of number, you know great things
1: was it a what job you thought? Off, pardon me? Was it what you thought it would be when you finally got Yeah, well, no, it was a lot of
2: fun. It really was. Uh, the problem was is that I, you know, I had at the time a uh, uh, a small child uh and you know my next job you know it was you know a job of moving around um, you know, you'd have to get a job here and move to this city and that city and I really wasn't too interested in doing that and um you know, I wanted to become the correspondent NBC correspondent, you know, in Rome. You know, they but they weren't giving those out that easily. <laughs> so um and also, you know, I got it out of my system. It was fun. It wasn't a lot of money in it either at that point in time. Broadcast journalism in the early 70s, you know, mid-70s, was sort of just starting to take off. You know, the Watergate hearings became very big, and, you know, people are realizing the impact of, uh, you know, what's going on. And right, right. so So, um, yeah, so as I, I left, I got a job in marketing, and then I came to Florida in 79. I became a PR director for a uh, large electronics firm, and... Uh, and became a partner in a firm and started my firm in 84, so that's kind of really, you know, there were some really great highlights in there, but I know there's a lot of people out there that are just bored to tears. I have a client of mine now who's listening, who I know is thinking this is boring. There. Living daylights out of him. Now, so that's, even, you know
1: something, I resent that. <laughs> I do not invite boring people on my show.
2: See, my team, I think he is, they've all heard these stories before. You're, you know, just like my family have heard these stories a thousand times, you know, it's interesting for you, maybe the first time.
1: And our listeners. Yeah, but you know what? See, we always try to, I actually co host two radio shows. And the other radio show, we really try to focus more on. Um, where people have been the path that they took so people can sort of look at it in, in a reflective way to themselves to go wow you know what i am on the right path or you right. know what i'm not the only person that stands under a gray cloud every once in a while all those gray clouds they don't just accumulate over me so i think
2: it's a message by the way about you know and i see you know see with young ch- you know people and i have children who are uh, I have children who are in their 20s and actually one in their 30s, wow. and and one on the way. Wait, for you? I, for me, yeah.
1: muzzle toe. Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Wow.
2: And um,
1: that's, I don't know what does That's great.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, making decisions early on in life is something I don't think is, you know, relatively, I think some people think it's important. I think some people are pressured into it. You know, my own son, one of my sons started law school and hated it, you know, and he came to me and I said, okay get out do something else I mean right. you know the world is full of miserable lawyers
1: need <laughs> any anymore
2: so uh, no offense to any lawyers out there I mean but
1: uh,
2: you know so you know and so I, you know, I found my way a little bit later in life I mean I actually started in the PR business in my uh, I guess in my early 30s okay and but the journalistic background was phenomenal for it I mean I you know had, uh I'd met uh, you know, I interviewed a few presidents, and as I said, you know, Muhammad Ali and some really wonderful people along the way. And...
1: Well, it helps give you the grit. Very few people uh, do I know actually, A, practice what it is that they went to school for, and B, most people's paths take them all over the place. And I think just, you know, I have these brandyisms, and one of them is, you know, the more you experience in life, the more you understand about yourself and others around you. And that's the best way to, I think, do good business.
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's it's that way with business. You know, uh, I've never specialized in anything in my career in in PR, and the reason being is that I think I bring a lot of different talents from a lot of different industries. I happen to do a lot of work in the beverage industry right now, and you know, I bring experience from twenty years ago. To that industry that I don't uh, uh, think you know I would have had if I just decided to stay in that industry twenty years ago. You know I see a lot of people get rutted in you know a certain industry, and and it's I don't think it's a good thing.
1: You know what I tend to agree with you because I think that it's good to specialize and it's definitely good to obviously understand the marketplace that you're representing. But there's certain each industry seems to have a very specific way of doing business, and if you have a broad approach and a broad understanding of, of different industries, what works for another industry could very well work
2: for,
1: Absolutely. You know, a client and it'd be something, wow, they never thought of. It's not costing them a lot of money, but it's going to get them a lot of mileage.
2: Exactly. So let me ask you a
1: question because I do, I look at you, and, and we've, we've chatted a little bit, and I was thinking a little bit of our focus today could be that you know, you've worked with some of these heritage brands, you know, the, 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 the blue chip companies, the Amexes, the Continentals, is first of all, Understanding just from, because we're interested, uh, what it's like to work with those big companies, how much latitude you actually have in, in really creating PR campaigns that are, are really, you know, things that you can be proud of, or is it more sort of like managing what's already existing, how hard it is to work, with, how hard is it to work with those kind of companies?
2: Uh, you know it's it's not that it's hard, um, I think it's far more structured. you know I worked with a uh, good example is American Express. Uh, I did a lot of work with them in the eighties and great company to work for by the way and you can imagine how you know large the scope of their programs are we I worked on some of their very first cause-related programs, where, you know, the first they were the first company really to, you know, charge something on American Express. You know, two cents will go to X or what have you. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I worked actually on the, uh, on the. Uh, Statue of Liberty Restoration Program, which uh, Leah Iacocca was, you know, very big on with American Express. And it was really interesting, really interesting sidebar. You know, I lived in New York for most of my life at the time, like 30 years, and uh, had never really been to the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. And it, you know, took... And I was living in Florida at the time, and I had to, you know, go to New York to see the Statue of Liberty. But, you know, the thing about working for large companies is... And I, and I don't... This is not any way... To uh, belittle the efforts of anybody who does something for them, because you know it's certainly difficult. Also, but you know, doing PR for American Express and the Statue of Liberty restoration project is not difficult to get the attention of the media. Right. You know. Um, then you know, doing something for smaller companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my clients. Uh, I just had in, in the new york times a few weeks ago a small company a small public company called extreme beverage and they you know that to me is is a much more gratifying thing than getting something for a large company that you know okay it's american express
1: right you know I, continental airlines uh, when i was um, working with
2: them this is back in the 80s uh, you know because i've shifted a lot of my practice to smaller companies because like, i enjoy working with them more uh-huh. and um you know, we were doing what, uh, we had a really great promotions. We were doing bus fares. And this is one, you know, after deregulation of the airlines. And if you came with a bus ticket and you lined up and we did these promotions, they were great. You
1: know, God, get, where are you today? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and you know, fun stuff. But again, you know, this is Continental Airlines. You know, an airline doing this. So when you get the small companies. They have a client, still have them 11 years so they've been a client. Tallahassee. They manufacture electronic gates. I got that. They were a $3 million company at the time and they're much, much larger now. But, I, you know, we got them an eight-page cover story in Inc. Magazine. That, to me, is what, really doing nitty-gritty PR is all about, from the publicity perspective, of course, if you're talking about publicity.
1: Right. You know what I'd like to do? Let's, Let's go ahead, take a break, say thank you to our awesome advertisers, and then let's start to talk about some of the campaigns that you're most proud of and what you did to really give a face to the public of these smaller companies. Sure. We'll be right back with Cover Story.
0: Need a change of pace? Well, you're at it. WebmasterRadio.fm, your home for B2B. Over 4,000 clients
3: around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written information informative content, high-quality content, also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. There's nothing quite as rewarding as feeling in complete control. To experience this level of power on the web, visit BlowSearch.com. Let us give you the search engine advertiser what other engines simply don't. Complete control over your pay-per-click advertising. Blow away your competitors' IPs today and select the sites you want to receive traffic from while accurately tracking your ROI with BlowSearch. LowSearch.com. LowSearch.com. Finally, pay-per-click search advertising you control. Do you sell a product or service with monster potential in the online market? and attack the opportunity to turn your dreams into reality. Equipped with flexible e-commerce software from MonsterCommerce.com you'll possess complete control of your store including your storefronts design, maintenance of your products and management of your online orders and all with the technical support and service. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week Grow your business today with MonsterCommerce.com
0: webmasterradio.fm the destination for education and entertainment
1: commercials off now back to
0: cover story we're reserving a headline for you
1: hey everyone welcome back to this edition of cover story on the webmasterradio.fm network and i am joined by my featured guest this afternoon peter naska of peter naska associates welcome back peter
2: Good to be back again, as I said.
1: <laughs> you know where you, know you wouldn't want to be today? Uh, where's that? At the Capitol building in the White House.
2: Yeah, didn't they have to, like, uh, <laughs> evacuate because of a you know, plane flying low or something like isn't that? Isn't
1: that crazy? Yeah. It was, but the horrible thing was I got the word of, no, this isn't a joke. People are running screaming and yelling from the White House.
2: Well, I think with what, what went on a few years ago, I can understand that.
1: Oh, my God, what a horrible thing. So, So, yes. Very glad that you're here with us today, yep. and there's a better place not to be than, than in well, DC it's right there. now. Well, just hope that everybody's
2: safe there, and that they, I assume this is just a, like a random thing where somebody in a small plane veered off course or something like that. Hopefully,
1: from what I've heard, yes. Good. From what I've heard, yes, and I guess they gave clearance for everyone to go back in the building. So scary. It is scary. It is scary because you do. I started to have that you know, deja vu feeling all over again. Um, so thank goodness that. Uh, We've got people watching out for us, and, and everyone's safe. So anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about prior to the break. Sure. You've got, you know, here you have, and, and you made an excellent point. You've got, if you're working for big companies like the Continental Airlines or the Amexes, first of all, they have a ton of money to spend.
2: Oh, uh,
1: Right, I mean. That's the
2: one nice thing about big clients.
1: Right. they got a huge budget. But at the end of the day, if they're announcing something and they're involved in something, first of all, it's easier to get them involved in something. Certainly. Because they have extra credibility because they're big. And second of all, just who they are establishes that credibility. And you know, you can just have fun with, hey, we'll do the restoration of this or let's do bus fares and they're gonna get a lot of attention. Right. But then you get these little companies who have You know, I call it the big lie continues. You know, they try to create a face that they've got a lot of people working for them, but it's two guys in a basement or eight kids or whatever, and they have a passion for what they do. They have something amazing. And it used to be build it and they will come. And today it's easy to get buried. How do you take these small companies with a passion for what they do and really get them out there, make sure that they're promoted properly and get them quoted? I mean, my God, you said you got them in the, the, you know, the Times how do, or the journal, how do you make these things happen and how do you develop these plans for them?
2: Well, you know, the first thing is it begins really in the selection process with the client, you know, and, and as far as the relationship goes. I mean, I've really, you know, I really have to believe that I can do something for them. Um, I, I, I don't know if I told you this when we spoke last week, but I have a client who is a forensic account. Now, in my, I would never have, I don't, Honestly, not because I have anything against accountants or lawyers or doctors, <laughs> it's it's an area that we don't do anything in, you know, because I just don't like it. It's not my I don't traffic in that area. I don't a professional. You said services
1: forensic account, accounting.
2: A forensic accountant, right?
1: Does that mean? What, does it mean like accounting for dead people? No, no, no. Know? He's a. Account-
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a good point. Maybe that's a new CSI, you know? Yeah, forensic I think accounting.
1: So.
2: <laughs> uh, more forensic accounting is more of you know they really delve deep into the. Uh, the bowels of someone's financial things. I mean, he can, he can do, he does projects where he'll look at 500,000 documents, uh, you know, from a, you know, in a corporate thing or what have you. And they're looking for things. They do divorces. They do things like that. Um, a, a really, you know, it, it, it was something I just didn't want to do, but somebody encouraged me to meet the guy. And I did, you know, and, and after meeting him, I realized, you know, this guy is really special and we can do some special things with him. And we have been, you know, working with him about seven or eight months, um, Have really had a great deal of success placing him in the types of publications that are are important to him and important to to referral sources for him. But you know, so it goes back again to selection. You know, there's a lot of small companies out there, and you know, I'm not you know the end all, say all of you know judging who's going to make it and who's not. But you know, you get a sense that hey, I think at least I can promote this. You know, I mentioned Extreme before. You know, small Mm -hmm. public company. right now but you know, they have some really an interesting philosophy, Uh, they have some brands of their own. They have their own distribution and it's an interesting company and that that was the one that was in the New York Times. So I just wanted to bring that one up, you know, to talk about that. It has some some interesting properties to it that allow it and allow me to be able to promote it. So so I I guess I have to start from ground zero is I've got to feel comfortable, you know, we have to feel comfortable that the client is promotable. Right. You know, I mean, there's some stuff, there's some really successful companies out there that are boring as you, I mean, they make, you know, eyelets for shoes. Well, you know, there's only so far you can go with eyelets for shoes, I guess. Well,
1: and also, too, to make it newsworthy. I'm sorry? And to make it newsworthy.
2: Exactly. You know, that's it. You know, I coming up with a story. And, and, and I want to take this back a little bit further, even. You know, we a lot of people look at public relations and, you know, they think of publicity. And certainly, you know, that's a good you know, a a large portion of what we do. But I was thinking about it and I said, you know, public relations is like Microsoft Office. You know, you've got Word, you've got Excel, you've got, uh, you know, all the programs that are in there. And, you know, sometimes use Word more than use Excel or you use Outlook or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with PR. You know, there are facets to it. You've got Yes, publicity is one of them, but you've got employee relations, you've got uh, employee communications, you've got uh, uh, promotions, you have special events, you have issues management, you have government relations, you have all these things that, you know, an umbrella in there. So not everybody's looking specifically to be promoted, in the media. you know, publicity-wise. So that's another aspect to take, you know, some clients of mine, you know, or, very publicity-oriented, and mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, or there's a lot of communications things that we help them with let that me, really don't see the media side of the business, but, you know, in fact, require a great deal of expertise in, in our skills with communicating to, to their publics.
1: Now, let me ask you a question. For, for people that are listening that maybe don't have a PR agency yet, what is sort of the criteria? And I'm not saying it just for your organization, but just maybe in general. The criteria that that you have that you look at prior to taking on a new client.
2: Um, I would say, aside from being able to pay my bill,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, the uh, it, it's important that there's some sustainability of the, particularly if they're looking for publicity. Uh, I try to find, I try to get national accounts um because there's in in diverse areas where I've I know there's a lot of opportunity to you know that's going to be it's as i say sustainable over a period of time several years you know year several years where it's not just limited i mean there are firms that work with local clients and that's fine you know that's there, you know, there are companies that need local publicity, and there are times where I've done some of that where it's, you know, primarily local to a specific market, but I look for, you know, first of all, I look for something exciting, a product or service. We like products. Okay. You know, products are fun.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, they're tangible
2: exactly okay. exactly and if and if they're innovative or at least interesting and, and within their space that makes it even more fun and more promotable um you know is the what is the other good you know the other very good um um thing you know the other aspect we look at is the client's attitude toward it um what is the client you know is the client uh looking you know i I'll, I'll tell you uh, you just mentioned something about you know, large multinationals, they have big budgets. They have, you know, it's been budgeted, you know, through a yearly process, you know, this client, the small company is, is looking at this money and saying, okay, you know, I'm spending X thousands of dollars a month on PR, you know, what am I getting for this vis-a-vis if I spend it over here and over there? And you're really under a lot of scrutiny, you know, which is much, much more scrutiny than you are when you're working for a larger company. Right. You know, there's, because that money is...
1: Well, that's, that could be... That's like their kid's college fund.
2: Exactly. Well, I, you know, my, my wife has a great saying. She calls it blood money. You know, either buy his wife a bracelet this month or give it to you for PR. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, so, uh, so you, you are under a lot of scrutiny, and, and, you know, rightfully so. People are spending money. I mean, I, when I spend money, I want to make sure it's spent wisely. So the attitude of the client, it's not just, just that, that they're looking at the way they're spending money, but, they, you know, are they proactive? Do they really value what you do? And that's really important, you know. And are they participatory? I mean, do they really, you know, like, we need a lot of input. I mean, we get to learn a business, and we get to learn it very well, but we never get to learn it as well as somebody who owns that business and operates it and the people that, you know, work there. I mean, it's what they do 24 hours a day. Most of these people are, think about it and live it, you know, especially these, you know, young uh, growth companies. So the bottom line is is that we are, um uh you know there there's that criteria we look for is there is the client you know is he really embracing this does he see this as a way to you know improve his business and increase his business um does he look at the investment as something that's sound and is he going to participate in it if he, because if he doesn't participate you know it makes our job very difficult you know and and all of the clients that we deal with right now they are just you know they're good they value what we do and they value you know our efforts and they are part of it too you don't do this in a vacuum
1: no not at all and the only way that you can personify the image that they want and need is by understanding them well enough to craft that
2: exactly exactly and that and that's really another very important thing i mean you've got to learn something you know it's the the fun thing about doing this for so many years as i have i i just have done about virtually every industry and it's fascinating the things you learn about different industries also and but you've got to learn it real quickly, you know, because clients don't want to pay for your learning curve. They want you to come in there and hit the ground running.
1: Absolutely. But it's nice because I, I do agree with you that if you have, like, a good business principle, then you can come into any, you know, business is business.
2: Right, exactly. And you
1: just learn the nuances that you need to sort of, you know, charter through that specific tributary. Absolutely. But sometimes I think it gives you almost a better opportunity because you're not clouded by... um you know, you're not so deeply steeped in it that you can't see the forest through the trees.
2: And that's one of the benefits of hiring an outside firm. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I've been in countless times where, you know, I'm sitting here and they're "Guys, guys, you know, they're sitting, talking, we're in a meeting and they're, I mean, everybody's patting themselves on the back and, you know, this is great and that's great. And then, you know, I have to chime in with, well, however, and, you know, that's something that, You know, they'll look at you and what have you, but you're the outside person who's providing that, you know, they're paying me to provide them that expertise and provide them that commentary. And, you know, my philosophy is I I fight for my position, but... You know, if they want to go ahead and do something, I mean, certainly if it's not, you know, certainly something not legal or anything like that. But if they want to go ahead and do something and I, you know, morally don't have a problem with it, I'll tell them, look, I don't think this is going to work. But if you want to really do this, let's do this. You know, I I, honestly say I'm probably right 95 percent of the time. You (laughs) You and my mother. Pardon me? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you get old. Wow! stop. You're a new daddy.
1: That's ridiculous. Not
2: yet three more months. All
1: right, new daddy to be. That's very exciting. But all right, so let's talk sp- like specifically for let's say this extreme
2: extreme beverage. Extreme beverage. Right.
1: Tell us how you got them the, the story and what how it actually affected sales for them.
2: Um it uh it was recent. It was very recent and I I was uh, got a tip on that uh, someone at the times was working on a story and on on companies that were going to be uh, adding uh, employees and and putting extra you know, money into the company and what have you. So um, as a result of that, you know, I made some. You know, I I was pitching the writer and what have you, and uh, she was interested and um, provided with a lot of information. And I will say that the uh, the chairman of the company, who I interviewed, who was interviewed, and eventually his photograph and the story came out. Was uh, is is very very media savvy. He's very very media savvy. He's very uh, he's he's just good. He's just a good client. He's like you know your ideal client. He's the guy you know like if you want to write a prescription for a client you know right. he's media That's savvy awesome. who who loves the whole concept, loves what we do. I mean he is the he's just you know a number one
1: right you don't have and, to worry about him going exactly. out there and, and, and he's the type like of him. guy
2: you know he was he was interviewed i i didn't i very often participate in the interviews whether it's on a phone or not but um i uh, i didn't get a chance to do that when I, I i didn't need to i said ted you speak with her you know i have no problem he's that good now there are other clients that i have to sit there literally you know holding their hands but not in this case, you know, so uh, it, it, it just worked out well. Result of the, of the pub, it was just fantastic. Now, it was more of a business story, and it's a public company, so it, you know, brought some interest to the company, and, uh, uh, you know, how, how it all played out is, again, it's still very new, but it was very, very, very positive.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. So your intent at the time, getting the article in the Times, was to achieve what?
2: There's two things we want to achieve with, with extreme is a good example. We want to achieve uh there's, there's the consumer side of the business where um, they uh, they have a few of their own brands and are going to be introducing a few new brands um, and as a result of that, we want to promote the consumer side of the product. The other side of the product is it's a public company, and we you know want to make people uh, aware of the fact that this company exists you know and to take a look at it you know no I don't believe in hype. I believe in presenting the true story of what a company does. You know, that's where the, the mousetrap theory all falls into place, you know. Build a better one and people will be the path to your door. Okay. If you perform If your company performs, you know, you'll do well and what have you. So there was a multi-purpose. And, and, and the multi-purpose and the real purpose is primarily the promotion of their brands, which now is really heating up because they're going to be introducing a couple of new products very soon. And, uh, you know, we are laying the groundwork for all of that right now. And, and two products, uh, one of the products is a, is, a, is a drink that's being made exclusively, and they own a company in Hawaii called Maui Juice. They're going to be bringing this what was a, a fresh perishable drink and what's called a, a shelf-stable drink to the states. And as a result of that, that's gonna be our job is to promote that product here. Um, they also have some energy drinks, one called Yohimbe and they're gonna be introducing a twenty four ounce energy drink called um, uh Chinese rocket fuel. You know, which is a whole another category. There's the eight ounce category which is dominated by Red Bull and uh, you know, the Yohimbe is in there, but Chinese rocket fuel will be twenty four ounces and it's gonna be really interesting, you know. If you like energy drinks,
1: right, right, right. Which you know, we all, we none of us have enough energy.
2: Absolutely not. So <laughs> it, that's part of it. It's a consumer and a business side, which is fun because you get to do both, and 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 they're doing both at the same time too. Because, as I said, they're a a. Both a brand company and a distribution company, they own their own distribution they have uh, distribution centers across the eastern coast and you know, hopefully be expanding that at some point in time so there 's a lot on the plate with that client Interesting. they keep us very very busy and and If it was up to Ted, who's the chairman of the company, I would probably be chained to a desk working exclusively for him uh-huh. uh, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week and uh but i will
1: uh but Te he's my money. I, he lets
2: me loose every once in a
1: while.
2: <laughs> but he's a good you know he's he you know what he's he's savvy as i said, and he likes to you know he likes this aspect of it and he works well with it and uh he's uh he's good at it, so you know it, it he's a good client you know I, I we think we're a good agency we think we're a great agency and and uh uh you know he's the the combination of the two is. It's just a good, good um, mix.
1: Good. You know, I want to do two things. Actually, I want to do many things. But at the present moment, I want to do two things. One is because you, you hit on something very important, which is, you know, when you work with clients, they could have the best product, the best information. You could, you know, you could be getting them the best placement in a story. But if they give the interview and they act like a buffoon or they get overwhelmed with what they're doing and they're not, presenting themselves the way they need to, it becomes useless, or sometimes it can even become detrimental.
2: It's counterproductive, right.
1: Okay. So what I'd like to do is put that in the back of your mind. We're going to go to a break in a moment. Okay. However, prior to going to the break, we're very, very lucky because we have uh, another radio show on the network called Wizards of Web, and it's hosted by Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg. They've just released a brand-new book that they've published called A Call to Action. And I think it's right now with like 27 on the Amazon bestseller list. Which Terrific. We're really proud of them. And we've got some of those books to give away. It's sponsored by telco and FM. So if there's anyone that's in the chat room right now or isn't in the chat room and would like a copy of this book, jump on in. And I need an answer to, I'm going to be really easy. What is, if you pop over to the webmaster, I was going to say, what's, what's the day after tomorrow? Um, uh, but I won't be that mean. So go over to the webmasterradio.fm show uh, uh, um, uh, homepage. And write in the chat room the name of the radio show that is on tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern. You pop that name in to the chat room. You're going to get a free book. And then I just need you to um, send your name and address, mailing address. It's all free, nothing costs, to Nikki, N-I-K-K-I at webmasterradio.fm and you will get this book. And these guys are tops in ROI and conversions. So yay, Peter. Thanks for helping me to do that. Okay. We'll be right back with Cover Story.
0: Webmasterradio.fm The addiction that's good for you.
3: Dot
0: com more than a name. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRK Consulting. Making sure your mother is always proud.
3: Attention, webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on genienose.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, genienose.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. Genie knows how to deliver results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. com
0: sponsor of the webmaster world webmasterradio.fm keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded we never stop do you
1: commercials off now back to
0: cover story we're reserving a headline for you
1: hey everyone welcome back to this edition of cover story on the webmasterradio.fm network and I'm joined by our featured guest, Peter Naska. Welcome back.
2: And once again, I'm welcome to be back.
1: <laughs> that's great. So let me ask you a question. Go ahead. What are some of the best tips that that you that you give your clients and that you would really, you know, stand behind in regard to people preparing themselves to do an interview, whether it be, you know, um, for a publication or a live broadcast?
2: Well, I think the, there's, that's distinctly different, Brandy. I mean, the, Live broadcast is clearly something you know. Even an interview on a on taped uh, interview is very, very, uh, you know, it's a much, much more uh, sophisticated training process. I mean, if yeah, I've had some disastrous experiences with people who are just not comfortable in that medium, um, then again, you know, you still have to have when you when you're doing a print interview, you of course have to. You know, have some parameters of what you're doing there also but broadcast is clearly uh, quite frankly if someone is going to be doing a lot of broadcast interviewing i recommend that they do some training there are a number of firms out there that do professional broadcast training and interview training it's it, it's really worthwhile i can tell you a quick story uh, centurion was a Oh, it's got twenty-something years ago. This client of mine was a a terrific, was a bright, bright guy, and I remember uh, we had an annual meeting, and I wrote his speech for the annual meeting, and I sat in the back of a of a hotel, you know, big, huge thing, room, and and he's just he was terrible. I mean, he just is not a good public speaker, and he was, I mean, he would tear and he was just, he turned red his face. And I'm seeing <laughs> this masterpiece that I wrote, you know. Uh, just just,
1: just deadpanning. He was just killing it, you know. Yeah. So I
2: finally said uh, to him, uh, Ed, I, I said, we've we got to get you some professional training. And he did go to the training. And uh, subsequent... Um, <laughs> he uh he did some interviews with some major publications at business Week and what have you and he was just terrific. I mean it was really phenomenal. I recommend it highly now I mean,
1: when you when you spoke to him again after he did the training, what did he say were some of like the best things what made him more comfortable, what allowed him to feel that sort of ease and really be able to prioritize the things that he was expressing when he was interviewing It's good good points
2: you know what it was is first of all, the number one thing is confidence you know if you go up there you know it, it, I, I remember seeing a Seinfeld episode that said that you know, uh, and this is a you know num- people's number one fear is public speaking.
1: Right, right, you know, right. That ahead
2: of dying, you know, so you'd rather die than speak in public. <laughs> um, you know, when you're a ham like I am, I love to get up before a group and speak. But you know, I'm in the minority, I assume. Um, so most people are uncomfortable in that setting, and if you don't have the confidence to do something like that, that's a real critical thing. So they give you some confidence. They teach you how to speak in shorter clips um you know it's almost like training for a uh, a court appearance i I don't know if you've ever been on a a witness or been in a deposition you know your attorneys will tell you you know answer simply yes or no, or as simple as you can, because, you know, you are to start unraveling things that, you know, you don't want to go into right (laughs) And people have a tendency to do that. You know, I mean, here we're trying to fill an hour's worth of time. So you you speak a little bit, you know, you you get a bit more carried away. But if this was, you know, the one thing like with television, is, I tell people, what, you know, what do you want to be? what What do you want to get across? There's one message that you want to get across. I mean, I, Inevitably, and I'm, I know you've seen this before. Someone gets interviewed uh, for a TV interview, and you know they spend ten minutes, fifteen minutes interviewing the person, and then they get to see the piece on TV, in the twenty-two seconds. Right? Oh my God! They didn't use that piece of blah 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 blah. You know, um, it, it's because you know you really need to direct that interview to what you want. You know, what, what, what's the salient message that you want to get across? You know, you've got a new product, you've got a new service. There's something about your company you want to get across. Those are the clips, you know, that's got to be in the back of your head. You've got you've to think of that. But but ultimately, the most important thing is you have to feel comfortable doing. it. If you're not comfortable, you know, I'm sure you've had a couple of guests on your, your show that have not felt totally comfortable. And you no, I make everyone feel worse. at ease.
1: No, I make everyone feel at ease.
2: Well, of course. Well, that's Usually but make you, people- that was, but because you're alone now. But if you had your, your, your partners with you, it might not be as easy, right? So that's why I'm so e- at ease.
1: Oh, no, you're saying, no, they're super easy, too
2: but in, in a print <laughs> in, in a print the other issue is is that again you know I tell you what the ultimate thing I tell clients is is tell the truth that to me is the most important thing right. i mean don't i mean uh, i it's you know that old shakespearean line you know when we uh practice to deceive you know uh, blah, blah, right. right, right old right, right. line just uh, it, just tell the truth i mean even if the truth is not good get it out now it, it if you know, let's tell the truth. You'll never get caught in a lie. You'll never have a problem. Nothing will ever come bite you in the behind. Tell the truth. So that's right. the most important thing. Secondly, you know, you, before you get in an interview with anybody, think about, you know, the, the reverse pyramid of what you want here. What do you want this interview to, to you know, to, to eventually say? What do you want that story to say? How, you know, how can you direct it as best as you possibly can?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the other thing is, is, you know, some of the techniques is, is teaching how to get something back on track. Because an interview can get off track, as you know. Yes. Um, and, and you don't want that to happen either.
1: Okay, so what are some keys to keeping things on, for you, know, for you keeping your agenda and keeping things on track? What are some of your best suggestions for that?
2: I just is to come back to you know it's difficult and in you know without a lot of what's done in training and, and I don't do the training by the way but what, a lot of what's done in the training is is a lot of role playing where you know you do sit in an interview and you know we're talking about uh, you know a a particular you know issue and the interviewer is going in another direction and uh, is how you work to get that back on track by saying. You know, John, I, that's a really interesting point. But what I wanted to, you know, and, and blah blah blah, and get back to that point that way—just a simple way of redirecting. Again, it's it's really done much on a on a much better on a scale of a a, a role playing type situation.
1: Okay, yeah, no, I mean, I think these are excellent. I mean, excellent points that you know, first and foremost, know what your agenda is, know what your priorities are, so that when you're being interviewed, you're getting across, like you said, the most salient points. Exactly. Um, and I think that people do have a tendency sometimes to get carried away because it's your company and every aspect of it is great. No, pick one thing that you're trying to achieve. Marry it obviously closest to whatever that media outlet is for its intended audience. Stay on course.
2: Stay on tr- course. Is it? I mean, it really, really is. And uh, I, I funny, I was into, my wife and I were interviewed when we got married um, about uh, stressful wedding planning by the Chicago Tribune. Okay. And I, and I, my, and I was so upset when the story, I wasn't upset. The story came out, it was great, and it, you know, led with us and everything. And, it, and you know, I had a line in there that I wanted to get across. And the line was, you know, I said, Weddings are great if you're 25 years old and someone else is paying for it. Right. You know, and, you know, that he didn't use the line. So I, I said, what a great lead. You know, and that's a problem with being a journalist. You know, you you think you have the best lead and the greatest mind in the world, you know. So.
1: Well, it was your, but right, but that was your intent. And you built exactly. everything around that where someone else's intention was they took all the great stuff you had to say, but they just packaged it a little different. Right. And that's something, too, is, you know, to be very careful of is not take things too personally. I never do. What's in a word? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot. But, you know, they may say fabulous instead of saying tremendous. Exactly. And, um, and really being really being happy with that. Your best, best, we're, ooh, we're almost running out of time. I don't like this, Peter. You're so interesting. Um, what, what's one of, like, your most proudest moments in a, in a i have to
2: tell you you know what my my proudest moment in this business is you know there's a lot of them you know and i, I and i think there's a lot of smaller battles you know and, and victories that i uh-huh. could, but there's one and i, I was thinking because I, I sort of had a feeling that this question might come up about 10 years ago i represented a, a large consumer franchise company that you know dealt with the public i and, i mean like giving anything away it was, a dry, it was a dry cleaning chain, and I'd represented them for a number of years. And they were the subject of which, for want of a better words, an ambush interview by CBS Channel, it was TV show at the time, 48 Hours, had gotten a couple of reports that they had, you know, some bad customer service thing. They came in, and, and they were going to do a show, by the way, on 48 Hours, which they did do, called, you know, it was all about bad customer service. Cool. So and uh, so they,
1: <laughs> so they came that.
2: in and they did this and, you know, just the manager of one of their stores in Miami and, you know, and he freaked out because he had no media training and, you know, Oh, get away. You know, and you know, the hand in front of the camera thing and what <laughs> have you. Right. So the producer of the show called me, you know, as he would got my name and I said, hey, you know, there's two incidences that they were talking about, about, you know, bad customer service. I said, look, before I even defend or what have you, let me look into them and find out what the story is and how the company dealt with it and what have you. The very long story short of this was that the company really wasn't that at fault i mean they, you know the, dry cleaning is a very very sensitive business i don't think there's a person who's listening in this audience who's not had a bad experience with a dry cleaner no matter right. how bad they are there's it's so they expensive are, actually,
1: my god you know, like A bad
2: button gets ripped off something gets ripped something gets lost that's the other thing and
1: mm-hmm.
2: well the, you know i really did a lot of investigation and found the company did as much as they possibly could and really extended themselves and what have you so uh, what i was i became the producer and i became like best friends we had you know cell phone numbers and everything and i really really spent a good portion of the next few weeks presenting to him why, you know, this shouldn't be on 48 hours as bad customer service, you know, right, right, right. and he eventually called me, you know, and, and he said, you know what, you're right, there really isn't a lot of substance to this, you know, and blah, 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 and, you know, terrific guy, I don't remember his name, it's, as I said, it's probably been like 10 years now, the show is not even on the air any longer, and so the show came on. And it was not a great show if you're a co- you were know, on there. I mean, there were companies on there just showcasing bad customer service.
1: Good, I like that.
2: And, and, the, and the really good thing about it is my client, we taped it and we bought a bunch of tapes and, and they used it as part of training. For their, ah. for their managers and their personnel. That's
1: you know, excellent. just to see,
2: you know, which so turned out to be a positive, positive type of thing. Which is you cool know.
1: because it also showed them that, you know what, you never know who that exactly. next person is who's coming and, and in the And by door. the way,
2: we, we also instituted some some programs to at least make the managers of stores sensitive to the media if they came into the store. We actually put a whole program together for every manager. And so if someone came in like that, you know, I mean, I was one of those guys at one point in time. I don't want somebody shoving a hand in front of the camera and telling me to get out of here. I mean, you know, that's really going to make me feel warm and fuzzy about you, or isn't it?
1: Right, absolutely. You know? Well, you know what I want to do? This is horrible. We're, we're going I'm, I'm, I'm getting you off your topic now. I am dying to do a radio show on companies, like companies that either have bad products, services, whatever, bad customer service, whatever the scenario was, or, you know, who would defraud people. And not just talk about the companies, but talk about the people that actually work for the companies. Expose these people because it's people that make up the company. Of course. And, and really, so like, I, I really like, want to do to. I, I don't care if it's an ambush show, <laughs> I don't care if it's a. You know, we're going to give them the freedom, you know, the ability to to prepare for it. But the next time, if anyone, listeners out there, I'm so hip to doing this. Someone doesn't treat you properly, or a company gives you a promise and they don't follow through with it, you know, or they're or they're just horrible. Let's call them up. Let's put them live on the radio, and let's get them, Let's see where where they come in defending themselves. This
2: be like a live blog. Yeah. Right?
1: Well, exactly. I had a bad situation with a with a company this morning. And, um...
2: We all have, you know, and that's the point. And, and it's interesting because there are some companies that are just phenomenal at it. You know, there's some really large companies that are terrific at it. Um, you know, and uh, they... You know, and it just flows down from the top. I mean, if there is a mandate at a company to, you know, and it's something as, you know, this is part of what we were talking about before. Publicity isn't the only thing we do is, you know, when you're talking to a client and you're setting some precedents and principles for what, you know, how you deal with the public, not just, you know, the media, but the public in general. Absolutely,
1: what they can expect from you. The
2: processes and what have you. Exactly, exactly. Because if you're dealing in a large national consumer product or service, you're, you know you're bound to have problems, and you know how you handle those problems is is a reflection of the company
1: a hundred percent because that you know like they always say the person who answers the phone is your first introduction to the company. they need to be you know bright and cheery and helpful exactly, and so on and so on and so on so I, I agree with you a hundred percent
2: I think um, that's some of the problems that we've had with the uh, Yeah, outsourcing of teleservices and what have you is, you know, calling and, you know, hearing a little bit of a a blip in time and then getting, you know, it's off somewhere and, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily have the same attitude about customer service that, you know, you have and it's very frustrating.
1: Well, it is is frustrating because I do believe at the end of the day, the only thing we all have is our reputation. Right. And especially today's world where everything is done so fast and, you know, there are a lot of things that have been made easier, you know, through automation when that process breaks down and you've now got people dependent on automation, you really need to have someone at the other end with a smile on their face, you know, helping to compensate for what you would have thought would have been like a 30-second transaction or or whatever.
2: It's like the internet. I mean, as wonderful as it is, and I find it phenomenal. I mean, uh, email and instant messaging and all that stuff it certainly has taken a little bit of the personalization out of what we do. So it's a whole other way of communicating. And it's, you know, it's here to stay and it's part of our lives and it, and it, it is amazing. And I think you and I talked about this as, hey, you know, how did we live without it? But on the other hand, it, it, it makes it very impersonal. And, you know, even with my business, with the media, we do so much of, you know, media communication now through the Internet where we don't even speak to somebody. I mean, I've set up interviews countless times that I've been ever speaking to anybody which is great it's efficient and what have you but it also makes it very easy for somebody to say no you know, well, it's a lot easier for somebody to say no when they're not talking to you, or, you know, uh,
1: where, where, they don't, where there's no ownership to it exactly. I'm with you 100% and that's what's really that's what's allowed PR professionals or salespeople or anyone is giving them the edge because um, be, because they have had the personal touch because I'm a very very firm believer Randy is number 764 if if someone likes you and you've got a good product or service or, you know, it's timely for what they need, if someone likes you, they're more likely to do business with you than someone else.
2: There's a great survey, I'm trying to think, what it, was. it was a number of years ago, but it was a great survey about customer service and it was done by a very reputable organization, national organization, it was Princeton or something like that, I honestly don't remember, but it was if you had a, a bad experience with, a, a you know, a customer service experience and that Client or the company reacted very positively to your bad experience mm-hmm. your your um, the percent of you would, that you do business with them again was vastly increased so in, in other words, if you know you have a complaint, you bought something, it was a problem, you're really irate, but they handled it so well you, they became you became a much more loyal customer to them just oh, because agree. of that because Agreed. you know that in the future, if something goes wrong. And look at all the major chains, all oh, the Home Depots and all of those, the uh, bed bath and beyond, go return something. You never have a problem doing that.
1: Right, and you know something, and that I I agree with you because I think yes, there's a certain mindset of people that they just want something for nothing. Or they right. want and, and, and take that, you know, that, that market segment away. But if and that goes back to the human factor that if you do have a problem and you have someone on the other end that says, Oh my God, I am so sorry. What can I do to make you feel better? And they mean it earnestly that's the human connection that you're talking about. And I think that anyone who feels like someone went out of their way and took a bad situation and turned it good, that does lead toward loyalty, 100%. Um,
2: it's something everybody should remember. You know, I mean, there's so many times that I look at somebody and, I, you know, I've had a complaint about something and, and they've given me a hard time and going, you know, you're such a jerk. I mean, you know, here, I've bought your product. I want to buy more of your product. And you're telling me, you know, tough.
1: I had, I'll tell you a very, very quick story. And then we unfortunately need to wrap this up. But this is the best case in point that I have. Um, a, a very dear friend of mine now owned a very large cosmetics company, and it was one of the first purchases I ever made on the internet. Well, and I, and I went, and I made this purchase, and it was so cool, because you could see your plane take off, as, you know, like right. FedEx, or, well, my plane never took off. <laughs> and I was so sad, so I called the company like 10 days later, and I said, you know, I didn't get my purchase, or said, they said, you know, well, we're really sorry, I th- but it looks like it's been sent. I said, no, I'm telling you, my plane, it never took off. So the woman back and she said to me, what can I do? I'm so sorry. You're right. It's still in the warehouse. What can I do to make this better for you? And I said, oh, why don't you just double my order? as a joke. Well, don't you just know they doubled my order? Doubled your order. For free. And sent me a lovely note with an apology. So I, in turn, wrote the president of this company an email that said, I have to tell you something. You know, it went into this with a really negative attitude because, you know, like my, my, my plane never took off. And, you know, it used to be at the beginning of the 90s, everything was so customer-oriented, and that's what differentiated or service-oriented, that's what differentiated companies. And today, you're not seeing that as often. And and I have to say, you will have a loyal customer in me and someone who's really going to be a cheerleader for you out in the community because, you know, this lovely woman that I spoke to. Well, long story short, he replied back to me and said, well, you know, who are you and what do you do, et cetera, et cetera. And um, now we're really great friends.
2: See?
1: and you not
2: only got a double your order but you got a good friend out of the deal
1: well then i got free product
2: And you got free product
1: (laughs) you know now i still do too because we're friends so you know being nice goes a long way more
2: flies (laughs) with honey than
1: vinegar right yeah that's what mother says you get more flies with honey yep absolutely Absolutely. So talk about flies and honey. We need to we need to buzz on out of here. <laughs> this has been really super, Peter. It was
2: delightful. I enjoyed it myself.
1: Okay, cool. Hey, so very quickly, if people want more books, what do we what are we gonna ask them to do for a silly little quick contest?
2: I'm sorry, said it again. I, I missed you there.
1: No, I'm saying for for a silly quick contest, to really quickly, what should we have people do to win one of the call to action books?
2: Um, a really quick contest. Oh my goodness. She's putting me on a spot here.
1: I am. I be our professional friend. Um,
2: <laughs> let's see. Uh, any, oh, can I do sports trivia or something? Yeah,
1: like that? Yeah, go for it. That's awesome.
2: Oh, she's. I got a really great sports trivia question for you, but nobody'll get it. Though it's too hard. Let me think of something easier. <laughs> uh, um, bum bum bum. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. Who who led the American League in hits last year? Easy, everybody.
1: Okay, everyone pop that answer in, and you too will get a copy of Call to Action, sponsored by Webmaster Radio and Telco. All right, so listen, Peter. Yes. We need to have you back.
2: Love to be back. Just tell me when.
1: I will. I will. We'll speak to you very shortly. Thank Great. you so much for being a part of this. Thanks, Brenda. It
2: was really a lot of fun.
1: Thank you. Peter Naska of Peter Naska Associates. Peace out, and we'll see you next week on Cover Story.